Hi, my name's Diana Trepkoff, and I'd like to welcome you to my new podcast called Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? I'm a forensic artist who's completed hundreds of law enforcement cold cases, and I can tell you firsthand the pain and suffering I have witnessed on families of missing loved ones. I can see the pain on their face, I can hear the pain in their voice, and I feel it in my heart. My dream is that all missing persons will be found and there will never be another missing person ever again. That's what I pray for. That's what I hope for. And that is my dream. So please welcome my new podcast, Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? And one by one, let's bring these missing loved ones home. Thank you. Welcome to my podcast called Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One. Today we have a special guest on and it's Kelly Greenlee. And um, hi Kelly, thank you for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me, Diana. And I love seeing your stuff all over Facebook. I know how much you're advocating for Noreen Greenlee. And if you can start off with telling your side of the story and who Noreen was. Okay, well, Noreen was my aunt. Um, she was uh, my uh, father's um, younger sister. Uh, she was um, uh, the third born of seven children to the Greenlee family. And uh, she um, was a great girl. She was a very active girl. Uh, she was uh, quite involved in sports and, and baseball and uh, soccer. And uh, she enjoyed horseback riding. She bowled. She skated. She just did everything she, um, a normal thirteen-year-old uh, girl, would do at the time and, and prior. Uh, she was um, had several friends. She was well liked. Uh, she enjoyed um, baking and sewing. And uh, just an all-around um, good sister and loving daughter, and she loved her family very much. Um, <clears throat> I would say, um, yeah, so hard, <laughs> yeah. always emotional. Um, but uh, you know, the family, um, like I said, was a family of seven. And uh, at the time of her um, disappearance, they lived um, in Maple Grove, which was just a few um, miles uh, on the outskirts of Bowmanville. And uh, they lived on Holt Road South. And uh, the day that um, she um, dis disappeared, well, was abducted from the bus stop, was on um, uh, September 14th, 1963. And I just want to say that was in Canada, for because this will be worldwide yeah. so people know. Yeah, it was in Canada. Um, I guess it was just on the outskirts of Bowmanville, Ontario, Canada. And uh, that day set out as a, a positive day. It was a Saturday, and uh, it was story was told, and 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 how it started out was um, Nareem was going to go. Um, bowling with a friend that that day uh, she set out for the whole day she actually earlier the day on Saturday she actually boarded the um, 
Burley bus. And uh, my grandmother um, was there with her as she boarded the bus to spend the day in Bowmanville bowling with her, with her good friend, Bonnie. I'm not sure if I can mention last names on here, if that's okay, or if I should stick with um, her friend's first name. Yeah, sure, or, or you can, whatever you like. Yeah, so anyways, she was, yeah, she um, was going to spend the day and, and um, have a bite to eat and go bowling. Uh, it was a, a day for registration to join uh, the bowling league, which she was into too. So she boarded the bus that day. Um, my grandmother described what she was wearing to a T. Uh, she described her as wearing black, blue, uh, black jeans, um, a peachy pink sweater, a white blouse, uh, black shoes. Uh, she had on white panties, a white brassiere. Um, you know, she described her as a T. I, I know today some parents wouldn't have a clue what their child just walked out wearing, let alone down to what she was wearing for uh, undergarments. And yeah, that just right. goes to show how close she was, mm -hmm. right, to her family and, and, and as a mother and everything. So um, she was sent, she was also carrying a um, clutch purse that had 70 cents in it. So the 70 cents would cover her. Uh, bus fare and would cover her for uh, a bite to eat later on in the day. And then she was to um, uh, just spend the rest of the time um, at her friend's house. And she was expected home that day. She was expected to take the bus back that day from the uh, King Street and uh, Waverly Road uh, bus stop uh, and expected home on that bus at 11.30 p.m. So anyways, she, going back to the beginning where she boards the uh, bus for the day, um, my grandmother gets her on, and I, I think Joyce was with her too. Joyce was her sister. And uh, so off she goes to the bus and, uh, and meets up with her uh, friend, Bonnie Wilkins. Um, they do go bowling, and like I said, it was a registration day, and I believe bowling was free that day because it was a registration day for them to join the leagues. Um, she was witnessed by uh, quite a few people, uh, friends of hers, so that she was at the bowling alley with Bonnie Wilkins. Um, I guess they bowled, and then they um, left the bowling alley. Um, they walked downtown, and... Um, they stopped at Sam's restaurant downtown where they had, I think maybe a piece of pie or something to eat there um, together. I guess it was a popular uh, restaurant in Bowmanville where a lot of the kids went and would have a bite to eat. Do you know the street? Uh, I believe it was Division Street in Bowmanville. And um, so, but somewhere in between their walk back to her friend Bonnie Wilkinson's home, um, they must have met up with um, Bonnie Wilkins' uh, boyfriend, Gary Wolner. Um, so I'm not quite sure where they met up either. Maybe even he came into play um, once they are at Bonnie's, back at Bonnie's um, house. Mm -hmm. Bonnie's parents were away that evening. Anyways, um, they did have a bite to eat and they made their way back to Bonnie's house and um, did whatever um, 
they were doing, I guess, fuzzing. Like I said, Bonnie's parents weren't home. They were out for the evening. And uh, I guess apparently, which was stated by Bonnie herself, um, said that she politely asked Noreen um, if she could give them some time alone, if she could give her some time alone with her boyfriend, Gary Walnut. So uh, the bus was not supposed to be scheduled to pick uh, Noreen up until the 11.30. And I guess this was around 11 p.m. And so I guess Noreen said, well, okay, I'll let you, you know, spend some time with your boyfriend. Uh, Bonnie Wilkins was, um, I think, a year older than um, Noreen. Noreen wasn't really into boys, so I'm told, by a few of her friends that are still alive. And this was um, on September 14, 1963? Yeah, this is still the same day. Okay. Uh, now it's the evening, of course. And like I said, she's at Bonnie's house, her friend's house, where she was supposed to be. Her parents knew she was there. And like I said, she was expected to take the 1130 bus home that night. So she gave um, Bonnie some time to spend uh, um, with her boyfriend, Gary Wollner, in their house. So um, she left. And, but the bus stop um, was just literally across the street. So I guess she left and uh, was there standing at the bus, but would had to wait at least a half an hour before the um, bus would come because the schedule was um, 11.30, like I said. And this was, this was normal for these kids and, and actually quite a lot of um, people in Bowmanville to take the Burley bus. The Burley bus was also the school buses uh, they also drove uh, GM workers into Oshawa to work. Um, so she she rode these bus line, this bus line quite often, and, and was at both bus stops in Bowmanville. And um, even when they went skating, all of her friends together, they would all take the bus back. And uh, I just want to say you're amazing with detail. That's what the yeah. listeners. Um, need yeah. and love and you're amazing with detail so yeah. you're doing an amazing job <laughs> explaining okay. everything. that's great. I'm trying yeah it's been it's been a lot of years you know and um, yeah. being told stories and researching myself and and articles and stuff but yeah so she um she waited outside the the um for the bus and then we didn't know before until just recently that um there was actually a witness who reported um, seeing a car at the bus stop. He was, um, his name was uh, William Pauley. And he actually was driving his mother home who lived on Waverly Road that evening. And he had his daughter in the car too. So he said when he approached um, the bus stop in his mother's house, he noticed um, this car there and he noticed a young girl getting into the car mm. at the bus stop and he said this was approximately between 11 and 11 15 p.m so that would put noreen there obviously and and uh and so he said that um he had reported that although this information we didn't hear about um just most recently, probably in the next, in the, or in the last six years, we've heard about this um, witness in this, in this uh, report. 
so anyways, um, he reported that, um, like I said, that was between 11 p.m. and 11.15 p.m. And then um, he said that she um, got into uh, a car, and this car was uh, identified as uh, a 1957 to 1958 Ford Prefect. Uh, it was a smaller car, an uh, English-style car, that was dark in color, possibly dark blue or black. Um, he quoted that it was very um, well-maintained or it was freshly painted car. And he said that that car then fled westbound, um, which would be towards Green's house. So um, then uh, we've also concluded that uh, talking to Noreen's sister, Joyce, who was um, a year or two younger, then uh, Noreen, she was at home uh, that evening, which was on Holt Road South. And uh, she was at home and she had a friend over to spend the night and she also was, um, her cousin was over with her. And I guess the Greenleys were uh, inside their house. They had um, company over that evening and they were, I think, playing cards. And the, the uh, three girls were standing outside they had walked um to a friend's house that was just a couple of doors down on holt road also so they're probably about um i think joyce said maybe three houses up from the greenlee home and they were standing on the side of the road and this was approximately she said about well, 10 after 11 maybe she said mm-hmm. and this car came around the corner and actually almost it swerved so bad that it knocked the girls had to step back into the ditch. Oh, and wow. uh, Joyce uh, had heard uh, screams coming from the car. And it was nighttime, so the headlights kind of blinded her, but she remembers I remember the, Joyce saying that, yeah. Yeah, and um, she said, you know, that was, I know my sister's voice, that was her screams. And uh, although she could not see very well inside of the car, she said that was my my sister's voice. And she said perhaps she was trying to notify us that she was in trouble by screaming and and perhaps grabbing the wheel of the car. Because this car was actually a smaller car. And, uh, you know, I've seen models of it and I've actually shared models of of the type of car on the uh, Facebook group that we have for me. Yeah, and what's the name of the Facebook group so everyone will know? Uh, the name of the Facebook group uh, is called um, Back to September 14th, 1963, when Noreen Ann Greenlee disappeared. Okay, perfect. That's our, our Facebook group. Um, we also have a, a Facebook page too as well, but most of our information is shared on that group. Okay. And it's quite detailed throughout the years uh, since we started the group of, of information that's on there from news articles to you name it, it's on there to the description of the car to uh, actually a video of the type of car. Um, yeah, I've seen the picture of the yeah. car. Yeah, and you're right, it's very detailed and you've done an amazing job of explaining yeah. everything and showing all the pictures. No, you've done great. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for too. You know, it's uh, 
definitely want to solve this and get answers but uh um but like marine uh, like joy said um she knew that was her sister's scream she knew her sister's voice she shared a room with her sister throughout her whole life and uh so that alerted her and she thought well you know because they were up from the greenley home so i'm thinking just offhand that this whoever picked up Noreen, uh, I feel that she kind of had to know them somehow for Noreen to get in the car for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that was alerting. And maybe this person who picked her up was following through saying, here, I'll drive you home and actually was passing the, the Greenlee home. So I think she, once she passed, uh, seeing that she pa- he was passing the Greenlee home, she kind of freaked in and all of a sudden she she probably noticed her sister Joyce there and her cousin and uh, Joyce's friend standing there and maybe it was unexpected to the driver as well not thinking he had possibly run into siblings or family uh, outside on the road um, and uh, maybe that shocked him as well and put him into panic mode um, so then Joyce, of course, remembered the grill. Actually, she, she um, drew a, a sketch of the grill, too, for police at that time, which is, I believe, should be um, recorded there as well. Um, she described the car, and she's also seen pictures of, of the car and, and says that's the car that she's seen. Um, so she agrees it was like t- that type of car, too, and it had a unique grill to it and uh that she drew but she said the car then um fled northbound it crossed over highway two and uh, northbound on holt road and then as soon as uh she seen this car and it's fled she ran quickly home to tell her uh parents you know she suspected noreen was in that car and uh as soon as she got home, as quick as she could get home, uh, Maureen's dad, my grandfather, uh, jumped in the car along with my dad, who was Maureen's um, older brother. They got into the car trying to track down this car with Maureen in it. And uh, unfortunately, they, they lost track of the car and they couldn't find it. And uh, so um, after a while, and then they, um, when of course once 11.30 comes around when she's expected home and everything they of course call the police uh, they reported it to police that um, you know she she didn't come home she's expected on this bus um, um, and tell their story and everything and, and do their reports and and uh, so then I think um, they did investigate, um, uh, they interviewed the bus driver that uh, was on that route that evening, which was, um, what's his name, I- Ivan Balmer or something like that his name was. And um, he said that uh, he was pretty much on schedule that evening for the bus route. And when he drove through there around 1130, there was no one at that bus stop. Mm-hmm. So that also concurs that uh, that wasn't getting into the car, in, in my vision anyways, um, for certain. And 
and then backing up how you know Joyce seeing the same car and hearing her sister's screams um, kind of backs up that theory too. That must be so hard for Joyce because it's been so many years and then just to know she yeah. heard her scream and still still we don't we can't find Noreen. Um, I just wanted to say so Noreen's date of birth was May 16th 1950 if alive, she would be 70 years old, and yeah, and um, I guess you, you, you did get a lot of tips, but continue with the story. But, well, yes, it just, um, you know, and then from there, you know, then they start, they did um, go to the bus terminal, and I know they were questioned there at the bus terminal, like I said, the bus driver, and I think they even questioned, um, the taxi service because it was in the same terminal as the um, bus. Uh, there was a taxi service and a bus service in that terminal. So they thought, oh, maybe a taxi was called for her or something like that, you know, just investigating any kind of uh, theory as to that, of to who it would be, who she'd be getting in the car with. Like I said, I, I feel that it would have been someone that she would have had to have known somewhat. Mm -hmm. maybe familiar to her to get into the car um and like i said he the person whoever picked her up portrayed it well by actually physically going to her home but then driving by yeah. her home um i know um at first it was hard because they for some reason they thought she might be a runaway um which was hard to swallow because, like I said, she had a wonderful childhood. She was into everything, any kind of sport, sang in the choir. Like I said, they have a great, they had a great family life. She loved her siblings. Yeah, she um, looked happy in the pictures. Yeah, and every picture, she's looked happy. Big um, smile. <laughs> yeah, all of her friends. Like uh, I've had a few friends that I've been able to track down um, through social media. And they all said the same thing because I asked. I said, was Noreen, you know, was, did you notice a change in her in the last little while? Did, uh, was she always happy? Would you, would you think that she would run away? And they all said, no, absolutely not. You know, she was happy. She loved her family. She was an enlightened spirit. Like, she was a good friend. Um, you know, uh, just they, they just couldn't envision how this would happen and uh, and didn't know how why they would think that but maybe they just they try to rule out things from the beginning but that kind of put a stall on on the investigating investigation of it mm -hmm. a little bit um i think in in lack of information coming out um like the information of the car didn't come out right away even joyce's description of the car and the grill didn't come out right away um only decades later um so everything was held back i know the family pushed and pushed i know my uh grandparents Noreen's parents you know they pushed to have it in the media they pushed searches uh the um so the um, Goodyear, uh, which is the factory in Bowmanville, put on a search. Uh, my grandfather's uh, work of business, um, he worked for Duplate in Oshawa, and before that he worked for Goodyear in Oshawa. They all did searches, um, ground searches uh, of the area in Bowmanville. 
a lot of uh, community support, a lot of community help uh, was involved in it. They pushed to have uh, um, hound dogs come in to um, try and fetch marine scent. Um, you know, um, when did the hound dogs come in? Like how long after when she went missing? Unfortunately, it was later. I think it was like weeks later. Okay. And even the the person who brought in the one hound said it, it can't be, it wouldn't be significant enough because of the weather that they had also. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of rain or something. And they did, they said the dog did pick up a scent, but once again, it the scent stopped along that, that roadway which that could be significant to her getting into the, the car at the bus stop yes, yeah. right there. So um, that kind of backed up, backed up the theory as to her getting into a car also. Um, it, and then it took like six months, I believe. Um, they also pushed it to go to the uh, CI, CIB, the uh, Criminal Investigation Bureau, they pushed that. It took six months to get that on board uh, in Marine's investigation, um, which brought in uh, uh, James McBride into the investigation. Um, and so and what police over. service is that? Pardon? What police service? Uh, I believe that's the uh, OPP, is it not? Or, or not OPP, it's the uh, Criminal Investigation Bureau. I guess that's the RCMP. With like who's what police service? If anybody knows anything, they can come forward with tips. Um, I know they can call Crime Stoppers at one eight hundred two 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 eight four seven seven. So that's one eight hundred two 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 tips. And the police service right now with Noreen's case, isn't it Durham? Oh yeah, it's Durham Regional Police. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I thought you were talking about when they called in the uh, the CIB. Yeah, yeah, just so people know who to call. Yeah, right now it's Durham Regional Police. Okay. And um, there's two detectives and in investigating officers involved, which is um, Detective Moore and Detective Locke. Okay. Okay, that's good. So those are the two investigating officers. Um, yeah, so uh, there's been so much involved in it. And I know. Um, like from the start, like they pushed articles. My um, Marine's parents did, you know, always introducing more. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, some rumors took over too. Like once the uh, runaway situation was was ended, then it was there was one rumor that reported she was found, which was they had to acknowledge that that was not true. And um, you know, it just. Uh, it was hard like it was hard for the family too yeah i wanted to ask you if you can tell everyone what has your family went through all these years you've lived it you've seen it if you yeah. can explain so so people can have the empathy and understand it's so important to come forward with tips and I, I, I keep on emphasizing don't think it's it's too small the tip might be stupid or feel like a fool just come in and, and call and that tip could crack the case. And you can just explain what the, what your family went through. Cause I, well, I know your family. I got to meet yeah, a few of no. them and, and they're amazing. They have amazing hearts. They, they try really hard to get answers. And I wanted to say about 
Shelly, if I can just talk about her a bit. Um, yeah, yeah Shelly was amazing. We would talk on the phone and um, she would explain to me how much it meant to her. She, and what really hurt me is that she was struggling with cancer and we had the interview here, Global News came here, Lana Nicola, and we had the interview and Mandy was here, Lana and Shelly. And Shelly had to get a wig and she was supposed to go to treatment, but she didn't go to treatment because yeah. she said, no, I promise I'm going to help find my sister. I'm coming. And I felt bad, but she was determined. She came, she looked beautiful. And yeah. it was, it was hard to see her hurt so much but you can tell how much it meant to her so i wanted to dedicate this episode to okay. shelly um unfortunately she passed away april 5th 2017 and um yeah noreen's her sister and so her goal and what she wanted so much in her heart was to find noreen and i think shelly would be so proud of you kelly for doing this because i know it's not easy it's talking about painful stuff and painful You've, you've seen the pain that your whole family has gone through and it breaks my heart to see you guys trying so hard and you're not getting answers. You're not, you don't know what really happened to Noreen, where she is today. I know there's a lot of speculation. I know there's a lot of tips, but I just wanted to say, I think you're doing a great job in advocating. I think Shelly would be so proud of you and, and your dad too. If you can say the exact relation to Noreen, your dad, yeah, my dad was um, the older brother of Noreen. Okay. So, so he was actually, um, I think he was about 15 at the time when Noreen was 13. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've obviously heard a lot from my father, but I know it's just, it, it broke the family. It's just, it, it's like they say, if someone in your family has cancer, you all have cancer. Well, yeah, you know, um, Noreen was a victim in in, in this crime, but we're, our whole family's been a victim in yeah. the crime. We're we're living victims of this crime. Um, it just broke. It, it just and with and without having anything like you, you don't have a body. You, you don't have anything. So then you carry this endless hope, which is exhausting sometimes. It's a hope and a what if what if where is she uh hope you know that someday we'll find her and bring her home yeah right. i hope someone has the courage to come forward and if it's more than one person because someone always knows something i believe that and i think when they can hear you and hear in your voice the pain and you know and hear about noreen just an innocent young girl this happened to like so many out there and it's like i want them to have empathy. I want them to think if it was someone they loved that went missing, how would it that feel? And I want them to put themselves in your shoes, your family's shoes. And if it was someone that they knew this happened to, just just to have the courage to come forward is the biggest thing that I want to say. Like it, it hurts me to know how hard the Greenlee family has pushed and yeah, and, and I, I can see the picture all, with all of you guys by the bench in the park right now in my head, and it's beautiful, the bench that yeah. was made in honor of Noreen. But please continue. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's just, um, you do. And, and until you're put in, in that place, you, you don't really know. 
how it affects you and and you know people always say oh well you, you gotta forgive and you gotta move on but how, how for everyone ways? to say well and you, you what do you forgive you don't even know what you're forgiving yeah what are you forgiving there we don't know a person to forgive we that we don't have a body to uh say okay now we can move forward so you're left with, uh, on this cliffhanger you, you just don't know so then like i said you carry hope and it's just it's horrific like i think to my like yeah this could happen to anybody any anybody's child this could happen to mine god forbid it ever would happen to mine like i i'm now a grandmother and i, I just couldn't imagine and i couldn't imagine i know one time i lost my daughter for a whole i think it was 20 minutes and i just about died yeah I know where she was you know but can you imagine decades you know it's been almost 57 years that's decades of not knowing where that where your loved one is where your child is it's not fair it's not right it, it breaks no. my heart that this happened you know for us too and we've always said you know it's not even a matter of justice we don't even care who's you know who's done this but whoever has done this probably more than likely is past you know they're gone too you know it's it's just i always say like you just said somebody knows something it's just we just want her back you, you know it's our thing to heal our family to know that we've got her back and she everybody deserves the right to be found you yeah, know 100 there's the right to be found she was a 13 year old girl like i can just imagine like i know if i was abducted or and done whatever i'd be like crying and saying oh my gosh somebody find me yeah now think about it 13 years old you know i'd be scared to get death and i'd be probably crying for my parents for my mother i'd be like someone find me you know and and that's all we want we just want her back you know and then we can forgive we can move on like i remember reading this article it was three months after uh, noreen was abducted it was christmas and uh you know the greenlee family bought her christmas gifts you know because it, it's how do you move forward or, and and hoping that oh you know maybe some miracle would happen and she'd show up you, you just hang on to that and it just kills everybody you know and then uh not only faced with uh losing her and never getting any kind of um intuition of where she is but then six years after uh noreen's abduction then uh my grandfather and noreen's father passed away you know he died uh, of an aneurysm he was 59 years old yeah that's you know? young and it's Just a lot of sadness yeah and uh you know so then more trauma you know only six years later um it's just and yeah it just you just don't know until you're there right and, and it's like if a crime happens you know oh everybody's all into it and they investigate and everybody's into it for a short time until all of a sudden the next crime is uh begun and then they're on they're on to that but for the families there's no moving on no they, just, yeah 
it's from what I've heard, like I've completed 230 law enforcement cold cases and I've, I've been blessed to meet so many amazing families and they're all hurting and they all said it's mental torture. Some use the word closure. They just want closure. Some says it'll never be closure. They just, they just want to be able to live day by day and know what happened and they want to honor their missing loved one. They want them back. They want to, you know, do a funeral or, but the not knowing how do you go on in life when you don't know what happened to someone you love, they just leave one day and never come back. And it is devastating. I've, I've heard so many stories. I've met so many amazing people who talk about the pain. And I, I just think, wow, like, it's horrible. And, and that's why, you know, I'm trying to do a positive twist to it. Like, can I help find your missing loved one? The podcast is because doing all the forensic art, all the cases and advocating, I thought, there's got to be something else I can do. I could feel it inside. And then this came to me and I was like, perfect. So that way we can honor Noreen, honor the missing loved ones and the families can actually come forward and speak about them. And then the case stays current, which is so important because we can't have cold cases just stay cold, cold. You know, we have to keep reliving into them, bringing them out to the media. And then hopefully someone will come forward. What's your, what would you want to say? What's your message to the listeners? I would say, you know, if you know anything, like you said, the smallest thing, I would just say, please, you know, come forward. It, like I said, it's not a, a matter of um, justifying anything or, or charging anybody with anything. We just want answers. And I want them to know they can be anonymous and um we just need this closure and i think we need this you know like there's so many like you say there's so many hundreds thousands of Mm -hmm. uh, seeing people and cold cases and and let's just bring them home you know let's just do what we can you know our whole lives are, are to protect especially our children um let's just bring them home and do the right thing and and have peace and closure for families and um yeah it's just needed yeah like i i keep begging everyone don't protect the criminals protect the innocent exactly crime and we need to we need some resources and this is great because actually you're one of our first great resources too um doing the uh, age progression sketch of uh Noreen and what she would look like you know that was just amazing we waited so we waited with happiness and joy to see it to have something yeah. you know to have something to to see physically oh that's you know what Noreen could look like and you know because last no one saw you know her was a, a 13 year old girl and you know and 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 the bench brought great um prize and joy too but it's still the longing for an actual person and for her to be brought back. And to me, it is healing. It would be healing for the family and, uh, you know, to a family that's been broken apart. I see the pain and like I said, in in Shelly, Shelly was such a determined person. And I know I, 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 I listen to Shelly all the time and and I myself am a cancer survivor too. And, you know, so like, she, like so she said, and yeah. congratulations. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, but you know, 
for her to do, like you said, she avoided her, she had a chemo treatment to go to Mm -hmm. and she wanted to, um, you know, do this and find her sister that changed her life. You know, she was the youngest one and uh, it was hard, more harder on the younger ones because they suffered with it more. Yeah, I remember when she was here for the global news and um, her feet were cold. So I gave her slippers and we were looking at the age progression of Noreen and, you know, it, it just, it stays in my heart that day. And, and, um, and I feel so bad that, that she passed away because I know she really wanted to find Noreen and she pushed so hard and, but but you're doing it. You're pushing hard. The whole family's pushing hard. I know Shelly has like a big smile right now, looking down saying, right on, keep going, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. She probably sure is. <laughs> yeah. And I remember like the big orange flag you guys would hold, bring Noreen home. Like you guys advocate amazing. You all have good hearts. You're a great family. And I want you to know that I think a lot of you, I think a lot of you, and I'm proud of the Greenleaf family. So I, I don't want you guys to ever give up. It is very hard. I know it's easy for everyone else to say, you know, stay positive and don't give up. But I still, inside, I have that little brain desire, and I still believe miracles do happen. There's so many miracles that happened in my life, and um, I believe in miracles 100%. So we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Hopefully, something positive, some good news, hopefully, some answers about Noreen Greenlee, where she is today, what really happened to her all those years ago, you know, only 13 years old and that, and she disappeared. So it's not right. It's not right. And hopefully someone will come forward with information. Is there any final thoughts you wanted to share? Uh, I would just like to say, you know, um, please join in, in our group. Um, there's uh, tons of uh, information there. And, and um, you know, if you know anything, like, please come forward. Um, uh, I would like to say too, there's also like, you know, we are seeing more resources out there and uh, I'd also like to take note that um, there's a organization out that's also helping with Marine. It's called uh, Please Bring Me Home. Nice. Very good. Yeah. And they feature um, a lot of missing people on there and they take anonymous uh, information as well. And her cases profiled on their website and they also have a a Facebook group um, which has been very resourceful and they're actually going to help us with uh, a search of a a particular property Um, and uh, you know just any yeah just just anybody if you know anything please come forward like I said, join the groups, join Noreen's stuff. You can actually just even Google information and just Google Noreen's name and everything pops up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, there's hundreds, there's thousands of missing people out there. And, and I believe these resources like you're doing with the podcasts and, and keeping it always in the, in the public eye. And I know, um, uh, with Noreen's case, we've met a lot of um, families who are now also on social media with their um, missing children and missing loved ones. You know, that's where it's at. It's social media. It's getting out there, getting the information. I know there's uh, 
newspaper articles that have been a great resource for myself too. Um, looking up all the archives and uh, of the local paper where uh, Rain was abducted. I even was able to backtrack her, her bowling registration that day in the, in the local paper. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, we've joined on to um, school groups of uh, Marines uh, to try and get information. It's just always be out there, like for other families, pull out these resources, you know, do everything possible if you're a family suffering, as we're all families suffering together. And uh, so there are, are resources out there, and we need to cre keep creating more of these tools and use them. And um, and hopefully all together in participation, we can bring all these missing home uh, yeah, one by one. One by one, yeah. exactly. Great minds think alike, eh? That's exactly what I was thinking. Exactly. You know, and, and, and one thing we have too, and not only do we have a, a great strong family and and we, we're pushing and we're following through on our promises to our deceased loved ones that have passed on our family loved ones and uh, to keep the promise to find Noreen. But we also, the community that I am from and my family is from and Noreen was raised in has been so supportive. That's, um, I love to hear that. That's amazing. Yeah, the community of Beaumont, Ontario, they've never forgotten Noreen. They, they remember my family, you know, they've been so in there and they help and they are, they're dredging through newspaper articles. They're looking up stuff. They're, they're offering their services, whatever they can do. Everybody remembers it. Nice. Actually, know? that was, my boyfriend had the newspaper article in Bowmanville and that's, how I learned about Noreen's case and got in touch with yeah. Kelly or Kathleen. Kathleen, yeah. That's right. And actually, Kathleen originally, it was a gift to her husband, which is the brother of Noreen. Uh, one year, she uh, gathered up all the old newspaper articles on the disappearance of Noreen. She went to the library before they, the, before they had these newspapers online. She went to the library with her daughter. And they gathered them all up and put them in a photo album for her husband, Mark. And, uh, and he just loved that. You nice. know, he just, uh, you know, bawled and, and thought that was so nice to have all documented information. And, and that's how it all started with these newspaper articles. And once they put these newspaper, uh, newspapers online, so they're totally accessible right back to the 1800s. Wow. It's amazing the information you could get. Those newspapers back then were like diaries of uh, people who lived in these towns. Like they recorded everything in these newspaper articles. Mm -hmm. So they've been a, a blessing, you know? Yeah, you mentioned um, Mark. It was Mark and Kathleen. We bumped into them at the keg for dinner <laughs> and it was yeah. Mark's birthday. And they were like, hi. And they're like, oh, it's his birthday today. We're like, happy birthday. And again, like, they're so friendly. Like, all of you guys yeah. are very friendly. You have good hearts. And that's why I wanted to, to help you and continue helping to get answers for Noreen and for the whole Greenlee family. Yeah, we're driven, that's for sure. We've just never given up. We're, we're stubborn and driven. And, and we do have big hearts. And Yes. And, and you know what I believe? 
Sir, I believe you guys will get answers. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so too. I believe we're on the right track and I believe we're almost there. And um, it just takes uh, a few more, you know, information and someone to maybe feel comfortable now and uh, not scared to come forward. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe after, after all these years. I, I just know in my gut, like you say, somebody knows some something. You know, it was a small community. You have to know. The yeah. car was... Uh, a little bit of a different type of car that wasn't a very popular car then and you know so hopefully yeah somebody will recall something and, and do the right thing and and help heal help heal my family i, I agree and i'm so sorry you've all went through this my heart goes out to you yeah. And I wanted to say, if anybody wants to submit any tips, you can also submit them through Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One dot com, um, and through Kelly and through Crime Stoppers at one eight hundred two 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 eight four seven seven. And um, please do the right thing. Step up. Say what you know. Don't be afraid. With Crime Stoppers, you don't have to say who you are. Just um, tell us what you know, so they can finally have Noreen back. And thank you so much. Kelly for joining me. Um, like I said, I know it wasn't easy, but I think it's amazing how hard you guys are all pushing and hopefully we're going to get answers. And I believe as a team, miracles can happen and do happen. So as long as we keep pushing all together, I think we're going to get somewhere. I think so too. And I thank you so much, Diana. Thank you with all my for all that you've done. And I, I thank you for inviting me to this um, podcast and uh, I wish you well too. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One. Until next time, stay safe and take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, Kelly. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One is created, produced, and hosted by Diana Trepkoff. Associate producer and sound editing by Marty Brown. Please don't forget to call in any tips. Thank you.